you're looking for summer reading on your summer reading list, a rousing coming-of-age story, then look no further than Somerset Mom's Buildings Roman called Of Human Bondage. Now, granted, it was published in 1915, and it's 700 pages long, and it is entitled Of Human Bondage, so not ba basically your breezy beach read. Still, gripping story, which is replete with insight into how you and I work, how, like the inners of human beings, how we, how we tick. And the protagonist is a, is, a, is a boy named Philip. He's an English boy who is orphaned when he's about eight or nine years old. And he's sent to live with his aunt and his uncle. And his uncle is the vicar of a small English village. And like many clergy in all British novels, uh, the guy's terrible. He's a cad. He's, a, he's selfish. He's a cold. He's a sort of terrible human being. And also, like many English boys, he's sent away to school, boarding school, at, at age 10. And um, so his sadness and loneliness is, are compounded by the fact that not just he's an orphan, but he's got a club foot. Um, and he's made fun of, uh, tortured by the other schoolboys. And his club foot is a, is a source of deep shame to Philip. It's the thing he's most embarrassed about by himself, and yet he can't hide it. And I won't take you through the full 700 pages, but I think that his, um, I do want to share his insight at the, um, at, the, at the end. He's 30 years old, and he's lots of trials and tribulations and um, all kinds of things happening, which you can still relate to very deeply, even though it was written 100 year, years ago. He's, he's 30 years old, he's qualified as a doctor, uh, and he, he writes this, and he's thinking about his clubfoot. He's thinking about the thing that is his weakness, or his shame, or his sickness, and he reflects on it, and he says this. He saw, Philip saw, that the normal was the rarest thing in the world. Everybody had some defect of, of body or mind, he thought of all the people that he'd known, the world was like a sick house. He saw a long procession of people, deformed in body, like he was, or warped in mind, think about depression or anxiety, some illness of the flesh, weak hearts, weak lungs, some illness of the spirit or languor of will, or a craving for liquor. Now in our gospel reading from Matthew today that Courtney just read, Jesus gives us the clarion call of the real gospel. Um, and he says this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, i.e. well, but the sinners, i.e. those who are sick. That's the true gospel. Now you've probably along the way heard the false gospel, which is ubiquitous uh, in our, our culture. God helps those who help themselves. I'm sure you've heard that. I don't know where that came, came from, but you cannot find a more acute perversion of the actual gospel because the real gospel is God saves those 
who cannot save themselves. And what we know about the Bible's understanding of human nature is that we're all in the sick house in one way or the other. Now, um, maybe you are a person who resists this, this understanding of the self. Maybe you um, know a person who tries to hide his weaknesses. I know that my wife knows such a person extremely well. <laughs> They're terrible people. These kinds of people will do anything to appear strong and in control, to be the normal. And what these poor sots uh, fail to realize is that all that pretending to be perfectly put together is that all that does is put people off because nobody wants to be with a perfect person. You just feel bad next to a so-called perfect person. And it's an exhausting way to live to do this. But also, these kinds of people maybe know that, but they just can't help themselves because they're so scared of failure or they believe that sharing any kind of um, weakness will result in rejection. Uh, it's deep in our culture. Um, so here's the thing, though. It's why we're here. Here's the thing. Jesus has not one whit of interest at all in your strength. He could care less about your good looks or about your accomplishments. He has nothing whatsoever to say to your health, to your righteousness. He doesn't care. Instead, he speaks directly to you in your weakness, in your anxiety, in your anger, in your lust, in your lack of self-control, in your illness of spirit, in your languor of will. Jesus has everything to say to your guilt. He has everything to say to your shame. Everything to say to your failure. The failure to do what you said you were going to do and yet did not do. He speaks directly to that, that thing that you wish you had not done, but you did anyway. He speaks directly to what you regret what you'll keep doing over and over and over again, although you know you should not do it, that is where Jesus is interested in you. That's because those, you see, who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick. And that's because he's come not to call the righteous, but sinners. So people love to divide the world into two different types of people, and um, it's kind of a fun game to play. So you could say, if I'm playing that game, you could say that there's, there are those who are sick and those who are broken and unrighteous, and they're like, yeah, that's me. And then there are those who are sick and broken slash unrighteous, and they, they say, no, that's not me, and they try to hide it. There is an amazing interchange between these types of people in C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. Um, the book uh, was written in the 40s, uh, 1940s, and is still as is, is germane today as ever. And the book imagines a bus trip of people who they're on the kind of outskirts of hell 
and they can get on a bus anytime they want to, and they can take the bus that then lands in the outskirts of heaven. And they're solid people in heaven. And they meet these vaporous, broken down ghosts of people from hell, and they welcome them. And they, they you know, certain solid people are, are sent particularly to certain ghosts that they knew. And they, they try to help them come into heaven and find, find their place. And here's the interchange that I'm talking about. Len, <coughs> excuse me, is a solid person. And he meets his old boss, who's not named, but he's a big ghost. Now, while on earth, Len, who is in heaven, the solid person, um, murdered a man named Jack, <coughs> named Jack. And yet there he was in heaven. And don't you know me, he, he calls out to the ghost. And the ghost looks at Len and says, well, I'm damned, said the ghost. I wouldn't have believed it. It's a fair knockout. It isn't right, Len, you know. What about poor Jack, the guy you murdered? He's here, said the other. You'll meet him soon if you stay. But you murdered him. Of course I did. It's all right now. All right, is it? What I'd like to understand, said the ghost, is what you're here for is pleased as punch, you a bloody murderer, while I've been walking the streets down there and living in a place like a pigsty all these years. It's a little hard to understand at first, but it's all over now. You'll be pleased about it presently. Till then, there's no need to bother about it. No need to bother about it? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? No. No, not as you mean. I do not look at myself. I have given up myself. I had to after the murder. That was what did it for me. And that was how everything began. Personally, I thought that you and I would be the other way around. I'd gone straight all my life. I'd done my best all my life. I never asked for anything that wasn't mine by rights. I'd done my job, see? That's the sort I was, and I don't care who knows it. Brilliantly, Lewis has the solid person reply, it would be better not to go on about that now. <laughs> Who's going on? I'm asking for nothing but my rights. I've got to have my rights. I haven't got my rights. Or I should not be here. You'll never get yours either. You'll get something far better. Finally, the ghost cries out, I'm not asking for anybody's bleeding charity. And the solid person replies, Then do, at once. Ask for the bleeding, capital B, charity, capital C. Everything here is for the asking. Nothing can be bought. You see, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. And I've come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. God is not interested in helping those who help themselves. We, the sick, the broken, the unrighteous, simply look to the cross where we see the bleeding charity hang. 
For in him, everything is for the asking, and nothing can be bought. Amen.